millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back. It's the World Soccer Talk podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. In episode 139, we discuss uh, some of our thoughts uh, in regards to Hurricane Dorian that both Kartik and I experienced. Um, our favorite matches of this past week. We've got news about uh, La Liga uh, getting more into social media and uh, having some, some videos out there on a weekly basis, as well as news about the African World Cup qualifiers and much, much more, including the letters from you, our listeners, in the mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I am joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, a couple of days ago, on Tuesday, I think I posted a, a, a comment on to our all of our uh, subscribers and, and to our listeners on YouTube who listen uh, listen to the podcast there, uh, saying that uh, I'm, I was hope, hoping that we'd be we'd still have power on Thursday when we record this podcast as we're doing now. Uh, just be in, in terms of Hurricane Dorian, both you and I experienced it. Uh, it's been probably about 10, 10 days or more of just anguish, anxiety, stress, pressure, and just dealing with this storm that was heading your way. It was heading towards um, Fort Lauderdale area uh, initially, looked like it was going to be a direct hit, and then there was forecast to make the turn and to turn up to where, where I live, which is not too far from Jacksonville. Uh, thankfully for both you and I, we both um, the storm turned and stayed out in ocean in the ocean. Uh, missed both of us, but uh, we got some high winds and, and rain, and uh, uh, no, no school for a few days here as we all kind of bunk, bunker in. And uh, I haven't been outside in about twenty four hours, so I'm looking forward to doing that today. How about you? You survived uh, Hurricane Dorian? Yeah, it, it was um, very unsettling to see the storm looking like it was going to make a direct hit somewhere between Fort Lauderdale and West Palm Beach for days because of the direction of the storm. Even though the National Hurricane Center, they got their forecast right the whole time, which was that it was going to make this northward turn. Initially, they had it forecast to make landfall uh, somewhere between West Palm Beach and Fort Lauderdale and then make that northward turn and go up the coast or go through the the peninsula. Uh, By Friday evening, uh, Friday night, 11 p.m., uh, advisory. They had it staying offshore, lingering over the Bahamas, sitting, and then making that northward turn, which is exactly what it did. Really unfortunate for our friends in the Bahamas. Um, those of you who listen to the show may not realize this, but that uh, uh, for 
people in South Florida, and and you lived, Chris, um, much of your life, most of your life, I think, in south, south, southeastern Florida, yeah. the Bahamas are actually closer geographically than most of uh, the rest of the United States. In fact, most of the rest of Florida, and there are all kinds of cultural and economic ties between the two two areas. So um, even though we didn't get a direct hit in Southeast Florida, the local news um, and local uh, uh, elected leaders, charities have gone into overdrive because it's our nearest neighbors that got so badly affected and, and sort of took a bullet for us. Um, so I would encourage people, if you're interested in helping the Bahamas, just go online. There are a number of charities. Uh, we're even going to do something through Miami FC uh, for, at our next home game, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, real quickly, I do want to point out the storm did, and we'll maybe get into this more in what we watch. The storm did, with its outer bands, prevent me from seeing Arsenal's equalizing goal against Spurs uh, because my satellite went out with the first rain band, the first big feeder band coming out of the storm, which was Sunday afternoon or Sunday would have been at exactly about 1 o'clock Eastern time. Um, what did happen after that was uh, 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 my satellite held pretty well, even through uh, higher winds and, and more intense rain. So uh, that was uh, a little bit flukish also because it was the first one. Yeah, that, and that's the thing about satellite television too, because I, I go back and think of some some instances where satellite ruined my soccer experience. I mean, I, I think back to it was the Landon Donovan goal in the World Cup, what two thousand and ten? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Against uh, actually, this is this is the one. Actually, no, was it Landon Donovan? It was it was the game, the game against Slovenia. No, it was the game against Slovenia. You and I were watching it at, at uh, Wowie's in Boca Raton. Yeah, in, in a sports yeah. And bar. The TVs went out. Yeah, yeah. The TV went out, and then we came back, and uh, we found out it was that, the equalizing goal in that match. I think it made right, it two two, which was a huge yeah. goal. It was a huge goal for right. US. It's his chances. Yeah. So, and that's and and actually, it's funny too because in this past week, uh, Amazon has announced that they will be launching in the near future. We're not sure when it could be next year um a new internet service which is going to be um basically from satellites so they're going to they have satellites kind of around the globe uh you know up, up in space pointing to uh mother earth and uh, so whether you live in a rural area or wherever you'd be able to subscribe to a internet service plan from amazon probably part of their Prime subscription. And and in theory, it makes a lot of sense. But in practicality, when you do have cloud cover or you do have rain, rain especially, and especially in a place like South Florida, that ruins your experience because then, you mean, you lose the signal and you have to wait and it, it's it's uh, it's a pain in the, uh, in the, in the rear. So, Kartik, I mean, talking about uh, watching soccer, you mean, I, I know from watching or following you on Twitter, you had some great uh, analysis and, and news about uh, the hurricane storm, which uh, I, definitely I appreciate that as well as many others do. But in terms of your soccer watching, what did you watch this past week that stood out? Yeah, so... Um Premier League and uh, Bundesliga on Saturday mornings. I can't even. I can't remember the most memorable things. Uh, obviously, Southampton, um, Manchester United was fir- was first thing in the morning on Saturday, um, and was really kind of focused on the hurricane at that point. But watched that match, uh, and then watched uh, the um, the match between uh, uh, Chelsea and Sheffield United. Uh, which was at simultaneously with Bayern and Mainz. It got all excited because Mainz scored first. And uh, then Bayern scored six goals. Uh, uh, Kevin uh, McKenna, the former Canadian international who played uh, uh, most of his career in Europe, uh, he was uh, on the call. So it was really, uh, really surprising to hear from the world feed a – 
a very kind of American slash Canadian sounding accent. I thought it was a Fox Fox crew at first because of that accent. Realized it was the World Feed, uh, and then um, listened to the other guy. Said that doesn't sound like Keith Costigan. Sort of did, but wasn't. And that doesn't sound like any of the guys damn it, Fox. I wonder who this is. And it turned out it was a, a World Feed uh, commentary. Uh, then uh, the, um, Kartik, the and, and, and actually, actually, that's something that, that the Bundesliga should be congratulated for too, because I mean, Derek Ray is a perfect example of somebody that they've hired that does uh, occasionally the world feed commentary will will go ahead and fly out to wherever it is in Germany to call the game from the stadium. So so the Bundesliga, in, in terms of that, are, are doing everything right. And the quality of the, the co-commentators, uh, whether it's uh, Gerhard uh, Tremel or, or many others, they have a good crew. And, and uh, oftentimes English is not their first language, but they've got some really, really good German an, uh, analysts who are speaking uh, English really fluently. Um, and that's and, and again too that we go back to the whole thing about the Bundesliga. It's just a shame that just the to me it's just the, the, the kind of the scheduling of the games and how they match up coincide with the Premier League because it's you I mean oftentimes you have to make a decision between one or the other and usually the Premier League will win in in that battle as we saw on Sunday when an American scored a goal uh, during a game that happened at the same time as, uh, I think it was, it was the Everton-Wolves game or the Spurs-Arsenal Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. It was simultaneous with Everton-Wolves Sunday morning. Right, exactly. So it, it's just uh, it's, it's just a shame with the Bundesliga. But, but I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. I was just saying, yeah, I was reacting to your point, which was that Sergeant, uh, Sergeant scored that goal uh, for Werder Bremen uh, simultaneous, and, and it was... Uh, um, there seems to be... Uh, uh, in this era of um, and the era when I say the era it's really the last six weeks or so since NBC started hyping this season this era of Pulisic mania among American fans uh, I, I see less attention given to the Americans that are still in the Bundesliga so there wasn't the sort of uh, um, excitement over Sargent scoring a goal an important goal for Werder Bremen it, uh, that it, you, you you thought there would be so and that it was, was kind of weird. Yeah, it was a beautiful beautiful goal too. I mean, I mean, the only way I I actually saw it was through social media, because I was watching. Um, I mean, the, the Premier League morning and 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 I think for most Americans too that, that it's the same thing. That uh, yes, it's great that Josh Sargent's uh, doing well, especially this season, even more so in the Bundesliga. But then I wondered, okay, well, from that clip on social media on Twitter, usually. Um, how many people actually watch this game? And the number, I'm sure, is going to be tiny uh, in comparison to anything else out there. So it seems that most people that are watching the Bundesliga uh, in large numbers are watching maybe clips on social media while they're watching Premier League matches. Yeah, and I think that that's, uh, that's really unfortunate for these American players that are left in the Bundesliga and for the league as a whole. Does that change if the league, as reported, goes to ESPN Plus next year? I'm not sure, but we have seen kind of a bump. Um, I, know, I know there are people who argue with us about this, Chris, but there is a bump in visibility, accessibility, and just kind of general discussion about Serie A. In, in American soccer circles since they went to ESPN last year. Um, I, I, now, of course, they were starting from a, a base even lower than the Bundesliga, mm-hmm. in, in fairness. So they had nowhere to go but up. But we've seen the effect they can have uh, on that. Um, also, should mention, I watched the Union Berlin Eintracht Frankfurt match on FS2. It was on Saturday. Uh, 
also Liverpool Burnley. It was a, a disappointing performance from the Burnley perspective. Uh, and then Sunday uh, mentioned uh, the the, the uh, uh, Arsenal uh, Spurs match, and then as well uh, uh, Wolves Everton and that Werder Bremen match. So it was really kind of flipping back and forth between the Bundesliga and the Premier League uh, since Monday uh, or since uh, Sunday that Arsenal match really focused on the hurricane did watch ESPN FC special which was um, a preview of this week's European uh, Euro 2020 qualifiers. Other than that, uh, it's an international break. And, and unfortunately, that uh, not only li- it doesn't limit my ability to watch soccer, it just limits my interest in watching soccer, if that sounds uh, fair. So let me jump in here, Kartik, and, and read a couple of letters from the listeners, too, because this is um, good timing on this one. So Sunny SoCal Rob 25 says, with college football returning to FS1 on the weekends, it will be interesting if the Fox soccer crew still get to use the big studio or the Bundesliga man cave. Uh, does, that, does that appear again? And the answer to that question is that the on Saturday, I think it was the Bundesliga man cave uh, re- reappeared again, right? Yeah. So Yeah. And, and, and okay, so let me go on to the next one. Okay, Martin McKehy says, uh, "Did Fox already release the football commentary crew? Ha ha! No pre-game or halftime studio show. NCAA football starting again, and I guess they are giving up on the Bundesliga again as usual. This is why I'm glad that the Bundesliga is going to ESPN Plus now." Actually, yeah, this this weekend, actually, just by coincidence, I probably watched more Bundesliga. Um, than I have so far this season, and I, I didn't watch a ton. But and again, it, to me, it comes back to just scheduling. It's just that, that at the same time as a lot of these Premier League games. But the things I did notice, Kartik, um, Keith Costigan, going back to your your point earlier, is actually right now he's or oh, it was last weekend. Uh, he's in Ireland, so he's taking a, a coaching course. I think he's he's going for his A level uh, license. So he's you know, doing fantastic stuff outside of Fox, where he's I mean growing and learning and, and, and uh, these are great skills to, to achieve and uh, he's actually I think he's been with Crystal Palace a couple of weeks ago spending time with their coaches so really focused on that what happens though is when some one person goes away and then you have the NCAA football that returns to Fox is the Bundesliga becomes filler so yeah. on Friday's game which was I believe on FS2 um this, which was Munch and Gladbach against RB Leipzig, which is actually a good game. Yeah. Uh, the Gladbach fans were like booing RB Leipzig, but RB, uh, for many reasons, they were booing them. But RB Leipzig is, is a better team, and, and they won the game convincingly three one. But so that r- no presence there from Fox, other than just broadcasting the game. Then on Saturday, um, or actually the rest of the weekend. So on the Saturday, I think it was Union Berlin against Dortmund, and. Um, Halftime, so again, I'm flipping back and forth between the Premier League and the Bundesliga. Halftime, I tuned in expecting to see some halftime analysis or, or something. And all it, there was no, no halftime coverage at all. All it was was um, B-roll video. It was like slow motion canned Bundesliga videos of just players running across the screen and just music in the background and slow and and there was no voiceovers this is obviously b-roll that they've created for a worldwide audience uh just in terms of just filler with no voiceovers at all and i was wondering and i actually posted this on twitter i said okay is this technical problems or is this just that they don't have any talent or is it that they just don't care and i know that um one of the Fox crew on Saturday had posted that they had technical problems. So maybe 
maybe that's what it was, but it was. I don't know. So basically, a half time with that kind of analysis or l- lack of analysis, I switched it off. I, I was like, okay, let me go back to something else because I, I'm not interested in, in this. This does not pull me in as, as a viewer. Same thing on Sunday. So I was back and forth between, again, the Everton Wolves game and then also later was the Arsenal Spurs game. And I tuned into Frankfurt against Dusseldorf. And I caught the end of the game, it was maybe like, I don't know, 80, 80th, 88th minute. Saw that uh, uh, Frankfurt were winning this game uh, 2-1. And then immediately after the match, uh, the full-time whistle happened. The the world feed cuts off. You mean, they just end their broadcast really, really quickly within like, like 10 seconds. And again, there's no studio analysis. There's no voiceover. There's all it goes to, again, is the visuals and audio. This this time actually from the stadium. So you're hearing the voice, the voice, the noise of the crowd. No, with no people talking about anything and then I think it switches back to the studio well actually not even to the studio it switches back to the slow motion audio and, and, and video and that was it and I'm like how is this appealing how is this I mean couldn't they have one guy at Fox Sports I mean again maybe it's technical problems but two days in a row couldn't they have one guy just you mean uh Who's your friend, Kartik, at Fox, uh, Dave? Dave Denholm. Yeah. Couldn't they hire Dave and have Dave come in and, and do some voiceovers? Or, I mean, Christian Miles, have him come in or, or somebody? I mean, this is – and this was FS1. And I'm like, it, it, it's almost as if they've com- completely – if it's not technical problems, they've com- completely given up. It's okay, we'll just do what we're contracted to do. We're going to do this game, this game, this game, and – that's it. We'll, 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 you mean, we'll show the broadcast and we won't do anything additional. It was embarrassing. Now, Kartik, from this past week, in terms of some of the, um, the highlights for me, it, really it was the, the story of the 2-2s and some really entertaining games. Arsenal Spurs, of course, a 2-2 game. Just anything and, anything, anything and everything that could happen in this uh, derby always does. Great game to watch. Uh, Villarreal against uh, Real Madrid, another 2-2 game, uh, really entertaining. And probably my favorite game of the, of the weekend overall was the uh, Barcelona against Osasuna, uh, a 2-2 uh, game there too, just really entertaining. It looked like Barcelona was going to win it, but Osasuna c- came back to, to tie it 2-2. Uh, good game there, definitely. So I, I got, got my fair share of 2-2 draws uh, over the weekend. A concept that a lot of Americans don't get. I mean, anytime it's it's the World Cup or Women's World Cup, you mean, and I'm looking at the Google Analytics uh, for the website for WorldSoccerTalk.com, and oftentimes there will be people. I can see what they're searching for, what articles they're pulling up, and a lot of the times it is um, again. These would be new fans to soccer uh, going, okay, what is a draw? Like, why does soccer end in, in a draw? Um, so it's kind of it's always kind of for me. Uh, it hits home in terms of the 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 knowledge base of of the average American who's not into soccer and the learning curve that they need to kind of get to a point where they understand how this game works. And uh, as far as some of the other things I've watched this past week, uh, some things that stood out. One of which was uh, I finally got a chance to see episodes two and three of Take Us Home uh, from Leeds United. And and again, this is on Amazon Prime. Uh, highly recommended, no matter what club you support, even if you hate Leeds United. But a really f- intriguing uh, look inside, behind the scenes of how a club is run. Everything from the owner to uh, to the even director of football to the coach to 
press conferences and everything. Just really fascinating uh, episode or episodes. And in episode three, it's really intriguing too because they have the story of uh, Dan James, of course, which, as you know, many of you know, is now at Manchester United. Well, last season he was at Swansea City and in the transfer window, the uh, the winter transfer window, uh, there was an opportunity for him to go ahead and move to Leeds United. He moved, he actually travelled to the club, had the medical and uh, had, had his picture taken with the Leeds United shirt as this um, behind-the-scenes documentary shows, and was minutes away from going ahead and becoming a Leeds United um, a player. But at the 11th hour, Swansea City's uh, chairman, Hugh Jenkins, purposely prevented Dan James from signing uh, for Leeds United uh, because he believed that uh, Dan James was going for uh, uh, too little of a, of a price, um, which it was true. And uh, the American owner... Uh, Jason Levine was uh, trying to get the deal pushed through, and there was basically boardroom politics. So the the video, the actual um, Take Us Home at Leeds United, goes through this whole uh, episode, which is really fascinating to watch, um, and uh, some great behind-the-scenes footage. So if you get a chance, if you do have Amazon Prime, check it out. It's called Take Us Home, Leeds United. And uh, really quickly, just some of the other things I caught this past uh, weekend. Uh, River against Boca. Um, River plays against Boca Juniors. Watch this one on uh, Fanatis. And uh, on Sunday, uh, the actual end result, nil-nil uh, from uh, Estadio Monumental. Uh, again, just a great stadium. I mean, I prefer watching these games when it's at um, uh, Boca Juniors' ground. And, um, but, but still, it was a good game with a good atmosphere. And uh, also caught uh, Atletico Madrid against Ibar, and uh, and then what else did I catch too? I caught the uh, Everton Wolves game, which was highly entertaining. Juventus against Napoli. I caught the the uh, about fifteen minutes or so of the first half, and uh, commentary by Steve Banyard, someone that we haven't heard from in quite a while uh, on these shores. And uh, I missed the second half, which was a shame too, because the game ended four three to Juventus. And then last but not least, uh, Swansea against Leeds United, uh, battle for the first position in the championship. And I watched this one on Swans TV. Uh, Leeds United, uh, the favourites in this game, playing at Ellen Road. And Swansea got a last-minute winner here to win it 1-0 and to move top of the table as we go into the international break. And um, they will be there top uh, when I go to see them in, in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go to... Uh, Swansea to Liberty Stadium and uh, catch the next game at home, which is going to be home against Nottingham Forest. So I'll give a, a chance to, I'm, I'm sure, uh, talk about quite, quite a bit uh, about that experience uh, on a future part in, in a couple of weeks. So really looking forward to that. All right, Kartik. So let's move on to TV streaming news. La Liga North America announced last week its partnership with the former captain of the U.S. men's national team and World Cup veteran Jimmy Conrad to host its first-ever English-speaking anchor show. A new episode entitled La Liga Zone will air each week, with Conrad discussing his analysis, top highlights, and personal opinions on La Liga matches throughout the 1920 season. The show will also unveil new, never-before-told stories of the league, including its clubs, players, and cities, you know, home venues, etc. And Jimmy Conrad's a great guy to host this, because he just loves the culture of football that's the thing a lot of former players are very technical and analytical about tactics or, or 
the way to play the game, Chris, which I appreciate maybe more than some others, but I really love how Conrad, he absorbs the culture. Mm-hmm. And obviously he never played in La Liga, but he loves uh, the culture around Spanish football. So great choice. Yeah, this this is somebody that uh, I mean Jimmy Con- Jimmy Conrad. I have a lot of time for. He's always uh, interesting. He's always engaging. Always uh, energetic. And um, I watched the first couple of episodes of this um, La Liga Zone on YouTube, and, I, and I'm sure it's on their Facebook channel too, as well as elsewhere. It's pretty good. I mean, if for those people who are getting into La Liga. Uh, or, or want a refresher, or just uh, are interested in learning more about soccer. Um, there's some good um, historical information, as well as talking about the culture. And uh, you mean Mallorca as, as an example, kind of as one one team in terms of on an island in the Mediterranean. It's a beautiful place with a lot of history and castles and things like that. And and that's something that. Um, I haven't seen yet from, I mean, the Premier League doesn't have anything like this. I mean, so it's good to see La Liga in partnership with Relevant uh, doing this. And they also have, I think, a Spanish language uh, show, too, that's weekly, not with Jimmy, but but with somebody else that's a similar theme. So hats off to them. What's interesting, Kartik, before we move on to the next news item is, and I forgot to mention this in the uh, what we've been watching segment, is that I would argue that so far this season... La Liga has become more competitive than the Premier League. Now, in terms of the Premier League so far this season, and yes, it's only, what, four weeks in, I can't think of any upsets, really, other than maybe Crystal Palace against Man United, um, which was, a, I mean, a well-deserved um, uh, victory yeah, there. But, but in, in La Liga so far, I mean, you look at uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona, and they've been un- unable to, to defeat in I mean, different games, but Athletic Bilbao, Osasuna, Villarreal, Raya Valladolid. So there's there's four teams there, too, that usually you would think in the past would be just easy, I don't know, 4-0 wins or whatever. But Athletic beating Barcelona and Osasuna almost beating Barcelona, getting the draw. Uh, so on and so forth. So Chris, this continues thing- a pattern from last season where we saw so many upsets early in the La Liga season. And yeah. when you, there were a lot of people who just, they, they, they're very myopic about the Premier League. You can't have any critique of the league. Uh, everything associated with the Premier League is the best in the world. Um, they don't pay, really pay attention to La Liga or Bundesliga or Serie A, but they make uh, lazy assumptions. When I mentioned this, because I did mention this this week, and I said, you know what? I, there's no point in watching Liverpool matches. Like Liverpool Burnley was on. I switched the channel to um, the Bundesliga match, Union Berlin, uh, who have just you know such a great uh, fandom, yeah. you know, such a great culture around their club, and and, and uh, Borussia Dortmund because uh, Liverpool games predictable. Man City games are predictable. That's the way Real Madrid and Barcelona used to be in La Liga. Uh, not even five years ago, I'd say ten years ago just predictably steamrolling teams there isn't even much drama in their match it's not just that they win every match it's that they're winning every match 3-0 or 4-1 and people will just push back on me saying oh well that's because those two teams are the be- two best teams in the world and uh, uh you know the premier league the top 10 the, the team that finishes fourth in spain would finish 10th in the premier league and i'm like just stop it already you don't even know what you're talking about when you say that and yeah it's difficult to compare these leagues they are largely apples to oranges and maybe we get two into this conversation, but I'm just tired of people then when you point these things out, like you just did, Chris, saying, uh, having all these arguments about why you you just can't criticize the Premier League. And it's with Americans. It's not with British people. It's not with English people. Mm -hmm. It's with uh, Americans that are Premier League fans. You just can't make the critique of the league at all with them. 
the Burnley Liverpool game is is the same one that uh, I I tuned out of too. I was watching the yeah. first half; it was just too predict- predictable, and then I went searching for something else. And, and and that's the shame of the matter. Going back to what we talked about in the first segment is that the Bundesliga and Fox Sports has an opportunity to go ahead and actually uh, grow that audience just with consistency, good programming, uh, and just doing the hard work. And it just seems that they're just hot and cold like one week it'll be i mean lalas and the crew in the studio and they're getting into the analysis that's great next week it's like there's nobody in the studio at all and all the games are on fs2 and it i mean they're just mailing mailing it in and and, and this is a good weekend this past weekend where the bundesliga had a lot of talking points but again really no one's watching this league yeah, I wonder if it also revolves around Ian Joy's schedule with New York City FC, that they, um, and this is what we've said, it's what you said about Keith Costigan earlier, when um, one of their pundits isn't there, they just mail it in, right? They just don't do anything. They don't have a, a replacement uh, for the week or, you know, come out with a contingency because, yeah, I mean, I do I do think Ian Joy and, um, and Keith Costigan are – are, are top level, top shelf uh, hosts and analysts, presenters and anal- and, and and commentators and analysts uh, of the sport. I mean, Costigan to me is is at the very top in the U.S. I actually he enjoys up there too, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it's as if when those two guys aren't available, and with he enjoy, he's not available a lot, right? Because he's he's in demand. He's got uh, the New York City FC gig, as I, as I mentioned, and I'm sure he does some other work also. Uh, they almost then do not feel like they can operate a Bundes- any sort of analytical Bundesliga studio. They did have Stu Holden one week already well, this season, um, I, but I, generally they don't use him. Yeah, well, well, that's the thing I was going to say too, is that, uh, and I, th- I think I remember Stu Holden tweeting something out on Friday saying like, hey, uh, I'm on my way, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in the plane, I'm on my way to New York. And and that's the thing, though, too, that the, the skeleton crew that they do have is traveling the country, going to MLS games to commentate nice. or, or do the studio work for there. So um, from what they had before, which was kind of the riches of uh, talent, they had so much talent available. It just seems that, um, again, not that many people available when there's other conflicting games going on on, on in a weekend. So, but anyway, let's move on. Uh, one more news, news item, and this is um, thanks to uh, one of our listeners. His name is Shane Rowe for this news tip. But he was wondering this past week, and he reached out to me and he said, like, hey, what's going on with the uh, African World Cup qualifiers worldwide? Because I don't see any listings on BN Sports. Uh, they usually have those games. And I checked all the BN Sports listings that I, ha- I have access to. Nothing was there. Uh, Shane did some more digging and came back to me. So, so the news um, that, that we can report now is that FIFA has acquired the worldwide rights to stream African World Cup qualifiers, which is a smart move in many ways, because yeah. in terms of the platform, FIFA.com, and I'm sure with uh, FIFA's uh, YouTube channel, this is a good way to go ahead and get those games probably in more households uh, without with less obstacles. So they can say, hey, all the games or, or a select number of those games are going to be available live uh, across FIFA.com and, and YouTube, etc. And here's access to them. And I don't think there's a fee involved there, too. So it's FIFA dipping its toe in the water. We've we've talked about UEFA TV uh, that has launched. La Liga. La Liga TV. I mean, and, uh, I mean, Premier League TV, all these d- different uh, 
leagues and competitions around the world. And now you have FIFA TV that has uh, these games. So, so that's something, if, if you're interested, interested in African football, uh, keep an eye out for it because I believe it's free. And you mean, some of those games are really good, some not so good, but it's like with any competition. Um, but this is, this is an inter- interesting development there. Yeah, and African World Cup qualifying is is arguably more competitive than any other confederation. I'm not saying it's the best confederation, but it's there's there's so much more on the line because only one team out of each group uh, emerges, and then they still have to play off often. I'm not sure what their format is this time, but you get so many upsets and and some seemingly random results there that that impact who actually qualifies for the tournament more than maybe the random result in South America or Europe, which are the confederations we tend to focus on with. World Cup qualifying. So definitely check it out. Thank you, Shane, for that. Absolutely. Now, moving on to TV ratings um, for the second week in a row, Arsenal with more than 1 million viewers on US television. This was 1.05 million viewers for the Arsenal Spurs game on NBCSN and Telemundo. And uh, looking at some of these other games too, uh, the Burnley-Liverpool game, uh, 779,000 viewers. Chelsea-Sheffield United, 559,000 viewers. Uh, so on and so forth. Um, and then Seattle against LA Galaxy on FS1 on Sunday, uh, 208,000 viewers for that one. Yeah, a lot of anger about that, Chris, that uh, Fox did not oh, uh, show uh, the, the, the uh, Sounder supporters in um, the march. In, well, they didn't show them kind of real time. They showed like archived clips of them because they didn't want them. Uh, they, this is goes back to the whole problem MLS is having with their supporters groups and the anti-fascist campaigns that the supporters groups that that obviously grew out of Portland and Seattle and Vancouver they've been doing it for years I, I, it's funny that MLS just caught on to the, this this year uh, they've been doing some really good work on that front uh, for a number of years and uh, uh, they obviously uh, we know what happened at the Seattle Portland game the previous week which was also on Fox or on FS1 and then this week so um Watch this space. I think there's a lot of anger among MLS fans I talk to, Chris, about this. Especially, um, especially hardcore ones, too. Like yeah, ones yeah. That, and, and for those listeners who may have missed it, I missed it, too. But uh, I think a few people tweeted me about it um, at World Soccer Talk, saying that uh, the march to, to the stadium, which is one of the iconic examples of uh, American soccer fandom, uh, the Sounders, you mean all the fans marching together through the streets, holding up the banners and signs and marching in unison. Well, Fox, uh, FS1, what they did for that coverage of that, rather than film that and show that, they used canned footage from, I don't know if it was months ago, whenever it was. It was in the past, um, obviously, to try to avoid any controversy. And and to me, I mean, FS1, I guess I guess it's, uh, FS1 and, and uh, Major League Soccer are in cahoots with one another, and they're joined at the hip. Uh, it's it's kind of like Sky Sports and the Premier League. There's a lot of things that happen in Premier League matches in terms of um, some fighting in the stadium and, and uh, uh, things you would not want to see on television, which does not uh, represent the Premier League in a positive light. And those types of things you often don't see on Sky Sports or even on the global coverage. You have to kind of yeah. dig, dig dig deeper. Those things happen. But but again, it's uh, another bad look for for Fox Fox's coverage of um, MLS. I think Kartik. It's a very bad look. I, and I again, I, I assume Fox is being dictated to by Major League Soccer, who have completely bungled this. Again, I, I think we got into it last week. They don't know who their fans are. 
I mean, this is what's most stunning to me, you know, regardless of what, what side of the fence you sit on politically, whether you think uh, the Timbers Army, uh, et cetera, should be, should be involved heavily in the anti-fascist campaign. As I said, in Seattle and Portland, those supporters groups have been for as long as I can remember. Uh, this is nothing new, uh, them, uh, them, them demonstrating these symbols and, and, and being part of these sorts of movements, uh, which is why MLS embraced it for so many years. They used Seattle and Portland in all their paraphernalia and all their collateral material to tempt other people to throw down 100 million or 200 million to buy a team mm-hmm. in their league and to try and uh, stimulate interest in the league on television and get these television deals through some that we've talked about and now um they're taking particularly those two supporters groups those two clubs and and uh really alienating the fans who have made the league what it is today in my opinion um so I, I just think this is horrible, regardless of what side of the political divide you sit on. It's an example of a corporation not actually knowing who their consumers are. And it's uh, I, this thing is blowing up. I just watched the space. I think it's going to get worse and worse until they uh, they put a stop to it. And actually, we're recording this just after we've learned uh, there are several Timbers armies, our army members that have been suspended now by MLS for three matches from attending games. So that's... Um, and then that just really inflamed things uh, on Thursday. So yeah. we don't know what will happen, how this is going to uh, uh, keep what's going to keep happening with this. But um, that two hundred eight thousand they got for this match, Chris, you know, a year from now, if they don't handle this properly. That might be one one forty eight, mm-hmm. one twenty eight. They're, right. they're, they're going to lose people over this. Now, Kartik, you, you, you said that. Uh, MLS doesn't really know who their fans are or they're acting like they don't know who their fans are or who the consumers are. To me, their fans and their consumers are the mega rich business people uh, that are the owners. uh, There are kind of owners of the league, part owners of the league. And corporations. I mean, that—that's who they're—they're they're, they're doing all—all yeah. all of this too. And this is not something where they—they they feel passionate about a, a topic and say, "Okay, this is this is gonna let, let's go ahead and do this because this is going to help the fans or whatever the situation." They're doing this because of the sponsors and advertisers making sure that they're all happy, that they don't see anything negative, that the you mean MLS owners or part owners of the league are satisfied too, keep everything squeaky clean. This is not the way you do it by censoring uh, the information. All right, Kartik, no. let's, let's, let's move on to Lister Mailbag. And, and actually, John Average Geek kind of follows on uh, to what we've been saying. And he says, thanks for commenting on the idea of bias, hatred, com- uh, complaints on your coverage of Major League Soccer. Actually, actually that, that's in reference to us. Um, I think it was JP, I think, that uh, mentioned that uh, we seem to be very anti-MLS. We're not anti-MLS. If anything, I think both Kartik and I have a lot of issues with the way that the business of MLS is being run. We have a lot of admiration and, and a lot of um, fondness for, for the players, the, the ones that are putting the hard effort into uh, you mean, playing in the league and, and the athletes themselves and coaches. Uh, John Average Geek goes on to say, I agree. I love my Major League Soccer team, but there are issues with the league as a whole. Again, Seattle against the LA Galaxy advertised as a 630 uh, uh, Eastern Time kickoff, not kicking off until just before 6:50. I mean, come on, pregame is worthless. Sideline reporter, sideline reporter was worthless. Halftime interview uh, is worthless. And and on this context, so we're re- this is probably the longest podcast we've ever done because we recorded part of it on Thursday morning, the rest of it here right now on Thursday evening. Hence the delay in getting it out due to t- technical issues, but. The, the thing is, Kartik, is, is tomorrow night's game, which is the uh, Friday night's game, USA against Mexico friendly, 
is advertised as an 8.30 Eastern Time kickoff. Any guesses what time the actual kickoff time is? 8.30, you said? Yeah. I'm going to say 8.57. 9 9.08. 9.08, okay. Okay, so <laughs> which is a great thought? great tip for the listeners. You know what I mean? In terms of if you're not interested in the pregame coverage, you just want to watch the match, which many of us do, uh, it's, it's on FS1, you mean 9.08. So, again, it, to me, it's like a bait and switch. It's like why – I mean, the, we know why they're doing it, which is to try to bring people in early, get them to watch the pregame coverage, and then, you mean, in terms of – having more eyeballs watching the, the actual pregame. So that helps the advertisers, helps the overall average of, of the viewership for that game. But it's a bait and switch. You don't have to do that. This is Mexico against the United States. This is a game that a lot of people are interested in. It, it's a friendly, but still, I, I just I just hate that tactic. And, and that's something you don't see in other soccer leagues anywhere around the world. Rika Richardson says, Major League Soccer should take advantage of the ABC MLS Cup time. MLS should be showing commercials and various promos, not just for the MLS Cup, but also for the playoffs. I guess he's talking about like in, in the next coming weeks with it uh, being yeah. on ABC. Long overdue now. Too many storylines in both the East and the West and the players to show face to market. MLS's biggest issue would be location and time at that location. A 12 p.m., uh, I guess a noon uh, Pacific time game can be disastrous compared to a 3 p.m. Eastern time game. I think it should be 6 p.m. Eastern time. MLS does a better job marketing than Liga Max? Question mark. MLS for so many years now has been the laziest in promotion and promoting their own league. They rely too much on the other folks like the TV networks to, to do it for them. MLS is not a major league and therefore has to work harder than the, than the big four. League MX should, uh, d- doesn't really have to do that because they know who they're marketing to, the Spanish-speaking market in the U.S. That market has higher income and dedicated fan base. The big four isn't re- relevant to them. And when he's talking, I think, big four, I think he means uh, the big four traditional American sports. Interesting uh, points there, Kartik. Yeah, yeah, that, those are interesting points, and I think. Um, look, I I don't know. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just me. I see more overlap between uh, college football fans than NFL fans uh, with with soccer um, because there's some common elements in, in college football. Uh, college football, and well, then again, those people are fans of European football. Actually, now I think about it, not really MLS fans. So yeah, those are some really good points. Um, I think they do need to to market. Um, they have to work harder than those big four, and I think they um, they the only issue with this MLS Cup now is because they have since 2012 i believe 2012 or 2013 they changed it to where the the, the team with the better record hosts instead of having it at a at a fixed venue that makes it so much harder to kind of um drive interest in it when you don't know where the where the match is going to be um but of course they have a time so yeah, i think those are some very good points Tom Save the Crew, uh, I love that name, uh, he says, I, I disagree with Chris about Major League Soccer being great at marketing. Living in Cleveland, I never uh, I never see ads for MLS Soccer or Columbus Crew on local TV or billboards. The amount of soccer fans I know who don't even know there is a league in this country is unreal. And I've heard that quite a few times this week, too, from other uh, listeners and readers uh, that have made similar comments, too. 
Hernan Husto says, hello, question about blackouts. I pay for ESPN Plus. I have Fanatis, Fubo TV, and via my cable company, I have a sports package that I access several Fox channels, and also I can get access to Fox Sports Go. I live in South Carolina, and it was impossible to access the game Atlanta United against Philadelphia last Saturday. ESPN Plus said that said that my game was blacked out in my area. My cable guide announced uh, it was going to be on Fox Sports South, but instead it was American football documentary playing instead. Okay, I thought I, I could see it as a replay later, but still blocked. How do black blackouts work? I never have problems watching Atlanta United games until yesterday. Now, Kartik, I know a little bit about this. Um, you might be able to fill in some of the blanks too, but part of it, the issue is too, is that I guess for blackouts, I mean, Atlanta United, and they would look at the area around there and go, okay, well, that covers, I mean, obviously Georgia, but also surrounding areas too. So they would probably look at uh, uh, South Carolina, uh, maybe even North Carolina, because there's, there's no team there yet. But but looking at maybe, say, I don't know, Kentucky or whichever areas and say, OK, those areas, you cannot uh, broadcast this game because Fox Sports South has the rights to it. And that's going to hurt our uh, local television broadcasts. So uh, but but Hernan's point in terms of um, not being able to watch the game, even though it was supposed to be on Fox Sports South, might be a regional thing, too, where South Carolina the South Carolina version of Fox Sports South says, you mean, no one's going to be interested in that, in that Atlanta MLS game. Let's go ahead and put on an American football documentary. Uh, so Hernan seems like, and, and actually we've heard this too from other people, I think in the D.C. area, people that live quite far away from the D.C. area are being blacked out from watching some of these games. Any additional uh, insight you can give there, Kartik? Uh, that's that would That's kind of my my take on it too although i think there might be also just a situation where uh there's some sort of misunderstanding uh ahead of time which uh which affiliates are going to carry which matches because this seems to be a recurring problem and uh the way i I view it is that once uh if the, the rumors are true about um about mls buying back all of the um all of the the potential local deals um after 2022 that's why they've asked teams not to negotiate anything beyond 2022 individual teams this won't be a problem after that but yeah. we still have the rest of this season and three more seasons where this could be a problem so i hope they can solve it um uh, at least temporarily until those contracts expire and then i think one day what they're going to do after 2022 is they're going to make um all matches available to everybody on ESPN Plus, whoever buys, if there's another standalone MLS live package uh, and get rid of the territorial restrictions. I think that's part yeah. of what they're thinking, which is a very positive step. But we still have three three more years of this until then. Yeah, I agree. It, it makes total sense to go for n- national broadcasts, especially with everything moving towards streaming and everything moving towards. I mean, to me, like local channels have less of a of an impact or an influence. I mean, if you're in New York, maybe, or you're in certain cities in the country where there's a really strong local sports um, network. But uh, but to me, it's 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 it hurts the league. I mean, so here's somebody who wants to watch a, a game, can't even watch it through streaming or through television. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Paul Anthony Kelly says, Hey, absolutely love the show. Been listening to you guys for over two years, and it's a must-weekly listen. Question, with the 2026 World Cup and beyond being 48 teams, how do you see CONMEBOL and CONCACAF merging 
and working out the qualifying process. Thanks again for all your hard work. Well, Paul, rather than to go into all the details and, and kind of thoughts on this one, it's not going to happen. I mean, if, if there's a possibility of it happening, I, I, we could go into more detail. Uh, there's a lot of benefits to it happening, more so for CONCACAF because of, I mean, teams like the United States and uh, Mexico and Panama and others would have higher quality opposition that they're playing against, which would have to, I mean, which would mean that the level of their playing ability would increase because the competition is better and stronger. Um, but if CONCACAF did that and merged, that would completely eliminate the power that CONCACAF has within world soccer. And a lot of it's for the, the smaller countries, the Turks and Caicos, the, uh, the Trinidad and Tobago's, the, the Bahamas and, and Bermuda and things like that, where right now each of those countries has, it has its own vote, which is, I mean, you merge those together and they lose that voting power. Last but not least, Alex says, great stuff, keep it up, have been listening since, well, before you guys transition to TV and streaming topics, just discovered your, your YouTube channel, Top Notch Stuff. Well, thank you, Alex. We appreciate the, com- uh, the comments there. And listeners, all of you can join the conversation. You can always reach out to us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. Kartik, I have to ask you, and I, I, I have a feeling I know what the answer is. All right, this next week, so starting today, Thursday, all the way through till next Tuesday, um, at worldsoccertalk.com, we've got the list of all the games scheduled, international games, friendlies, uh, CONCACAF League of Nations, Euro 2020 qualifiers, um, and more. There's 100 games, 100 games that are going to be on television and streaming. Out of that 100, uh, which ones are you looking forward to? Or what, what's your number one pick for a, a recommendation? Germany, Netherlands, which is on ESPN2 uh, Friday at uh, the normal slot where a Bundesliga game would play on FS1 and a uh, championship game would be on ESPN Plus and a La Liga game uh, because La Liga said yes to Friday, no to Monday. Uh, La Liga game would be on VN. So uh, it's actually a natural time for a match and it's I think far and away the best match of the uh, uh, of the week in terms of just what's what's on the line. Now, Northern Ireland, people may not know this. Northern Ireland has a very good shot to nudge either Germany or the Dutch out of um, the top two in that group. Now, if it's the Netherlands, they, they have the fallback of Nations League, right? They, they went to the finals. It's a little convoluted how this yeah. thing works, but they would have a second chance if they don't qualify directly. I'm under the impression, I, and I don't know all the permutations, if Germany doesn't qualify directly, um, they won't qualify. Uh, at least I think that's the case. I don't think there's a second chance or a playoff. I think the playoff now is among Nations League uh, countries that, that that need the second chance and uh, uh, teams that perform well in the Nations League. And Germany obviously was not one of them. They got relegated from their Nations League group, which also included the Dutch. And, of course, ne- Germany-Netherlands is arguably the biggest national team rivalry in Europe. Yeah, and that uh, Northern Ireland-Germany game is on Monday. I think that one's yeah. not live on the ESPN. That would be the other big one, right. Yeah, yeah. and then the Germany-Holland game, like you mentioned, is going to be on Friday. So, yeah, two, two uh, highly recommended games. For me, Kartik, which is unusual for me, but I, I'm picking USA against Mexico only because, I mean, this is going to be the first big test. I mean, all the games pretty much that the U.S. has played in thus far have been against, uh, have been kind of uh, weakish competition, 
um, and weakish squads. And here we have a, a good test against a Mexican Mexican team that's, that's flying high. Uh, and he, then you also have the uh, the friendly on Tuesday against uh, Uruguay. And let me also back you up on that in a way, because we saw the U.S. play Mexico in the Gold Cup final, but both teams had significant injury injuries in that tournament, significant pieces missing. Uh, and also an omission, uh, Burhalter self-inflicted omission of Josh Sargent, which was a mistake. But um, Mexico is kind of back to, to full strength or close to it. Yeah. Uh, and the U.S. has Sargent in this team. They have John Brooks back from injury, who started the year pretty well with Wolfsburg. And they've got Serginio Dest, who I think player who's worked his way into the Ajax squad. is on that Champions League squad for Ajax. And uh, who Verhalter uh, has already said publicly is going to start this match. Yeah. It's just a rapid rise. And obviously, when if you have a player starting at Ajax or playing regularly at Ajax, uh, and he's an American, he's going to play for your national team so rapid rise for the kid uh guy we know is filled with talent i think that's the real excitement about the game is seeing dest in his first senior cap get the start against the u.s's biggest rival and he just you know, had a great game for ajax in the in the final qualifying stage to get into the champions league group stages and what a match to start your debut in against mexico yeah, yeah. so should be good all right well thank you for listening you can get a new episode of the world soccer talk podcast every thursday every episode is released on soundcloud spotify pandora YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media. Um, and feel feel free to, to, to live tweet as you're listening to it. Give us any questions or observations you have, uh, or post it on Facebook or, or on our website. And give us a review on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, whether you love the show, hate it, whatever, just give us a review. We, we love that feedback. And Kartik, heading into a weekend of games where there's 100 games, which is crazy, 100 games to choose from, and that's just the international matches as well as there's, there's plenty of other games all week long. What should they do? Enjoy your football. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.